Now, there's not many things more frustrating than being locked out. You know what I'm talking about when you walk up to the door and you, it's supposed to be unlocked, right? Somebody's supposed to leave it unlocked. They're supposed to leave you the key. But man, they didn't. You feel hopeless. You feel helpless. Now, I'll tell you, there's one more thing when it comes to doors being locked that's more frustrating than that for me. And that is when I'm laying down about to go to bed and I think, did I lock that door? You've been there, right? For me, there's no rest with an unlocked door. There's no safety with an unlocked door. There's no security with an unlocked door. For me, I'm a positive person, but it consumes my thoughts. I imagine the worst. It doesn't matter how comfy or maybe, you know, like when you're, you're, you're like on the couch and you're about to fall asleep and then you go get in bed. It doesn't matter how tired I was, how comfy I might be, how tucked in Rachel has gotten me, my wife, right? When I realize it, oh my gosh. The tension takes over. I have to go check and see if the door is locked. I cannot imagine in any area of life that's supposed to be locked. I can't imagine living with that stress. Now, I'm sure some of you guys have done this. There are some times when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, did, the, did I lock the door? And then you hear the noise downstairs. What's making that noise, by the way? I have no idea. So you, and Rachel wakes me up, hey, there's a noise. So I have to put on Rachel's robe, obviously, right? And if I, if, if you know, we're, we're moving right now, so I don't have my gun where it usually is. So I've, I've got like a, like a hair dryer, right, to give it the, 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 the look, which here's what I don't know. What am I gonna do when there's a burglar in the house? I'm walking downstairs in Rachel's robe, right? Either way, that's a different sermon. We'll, we'll just move on. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'll, let me get that image out of your head. Hey, if you have if you have a set of keys at any of our campuses, will you take them out? If you're if you're at a campus or, or if you're online watching, take your keys out. Jingle, let me hear them. Jingle them. Okay, a lot of us have keys. Go ahead and take them out and jingle them. Here's what. Keep those with you. Don't put them away just yet, because because God is going to use that imagery to really send some things home with us today. Maybe you don't have many or any keys, but you have passwords, right? And getting locked out, I'm telling you, it is the worst, right? If you get locked out of a social media or an email, you have to go through the whole deal, like the whole I'm not a robot thing, and you have to answer all the security questions. I'm pretty sure I've been alive for 33 years. I don't think I've gotten right one security question in my life. I'm trying to break into my own stuff, my bank account, an email, a social media. I've got no idea what my grandfather's cat was named in 1982, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I've got no idea. But here's a question I have. Why all the keys? Why all the passwords? Why all these security? It's to protect our stuff, right? Well, what if there's things much more valuable than our stuff that we have unlocked and actually a door wide open to. For the next month, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take some doors that need to be shut and we are gonna shut them and we're gonna lock them. Those are doors to defeat and spiritual destruction. And what else we're gonna do is we're gonna unlock some doors to heaven and invite the Savior to come in sit with us and put us where he has called us to go. This series, I'm telling you, is going to change your life. I have anticipation. I'm so excited for what God is gonna do in this series. So let's pray and invite him into this time. God, we love you. We're so expectant for what you're gonna do. God, as you shut doors the devil wants to use to access our lives and you open up doors of intimacy that we've never experienced, God, I cannot wait. 
I pray in this moment you do what only you can do. You promise that your word does not return void. So as we get into your word, I pray that you would set us free. I pray that you would put us on mission. Our world would never be the same. God, we're going to be challenged today. We're going to be challenged to move today. Would you give us the boldness? Would you give us the desire to move to who you've called us to be? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I want to welcome you to Faith Promise Church. No matter where you are, if you're live at a campus, if you're watching this online, if you're watching down the road, what I want to tell you is that the door, our door at Faith Promise is always open to you. And I want to say, hey, welcome home. Faith Promise, are we glad that our guests are with us this weekend? Are we glad to be in church this weekend? Oh my goodness, I hope you're excited. For the next month, what we're gonna do is we are going to open up some doors to intimacy with God that we need, but we are going to lock, close and lock some deadly doors the enemy is using to access us. Doors that are blocking and locking us out from promises that God has given us. Before we get into the theology, before we dive into some things God has for us, can I just tell you this? Whenever Jesus talks about doors, when he uses this imagery with his followers, he says this, I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Can I just speak this over you right here? Because some of us don't believe this. You've been given power. You've been given priority. You've been given authority. You, we are not spectators. We are participators. We are not victims. We are victors. God has called us to step into these doors. I'm telling you, I am excited about what God is gonna do this weekend. Let me ask you a question this weekend. Is it possible that there's doors unlocked and open to things so much more important than your stuff? Doors to our thoughts, doors to our attitude, doors to our emotions, to our relationships, to our kids, to our spouses, to our spiritual identity, to our eternal calling, to our impact that God's called us to have. Are there doors open to that and we're letting things come in and out? however they want to, when things that important? Hey, did we make it a priority to get a ring doorbell to protect our flat screen TV and nothing to protect our spiritual identity? Do we make it important to get a deadbolt to guard our, guard our house, but there's nothing guarding our heart? Did we, make, did we get an alarm system to protect our family's china, but there's nothing protecting our family's calling? Remember, you're a Christ follower. Remember, you've been given the keys. You, this is not something we just hope and see what Jesus did, Jesus has done. Now it's time for us to do in his name and in his power. It's time for us to open the door to our deliverer and it's time to slam the door shut in the face of the devil. Now listen, as you get older, you're not allowed to slam doors, right? If you're still slamming doors, we're gonna talk about anger here in a second, okay? We're gonna get there. But I, I had a temper when I was younger and I, I, I slammed some doors, okay? I broke some doors. And can we just be honest? We're at church. It feels good to slam a door, doesn't it? Ooh, it feels good. Especially when you're yelling at somebody, right in your face. Sorry, therapy, right? But hey, you're gonna to get to slam some doors in the devil's face today and you're gonna get him out of your life. You're gonna get him out of your family's life and it's going to be so freeing. So let's step into this. John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, he called, they call him the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wrote a letter to seven churches. Now, sometimes this is, this is a pretty 
powerful, but sometimes confusing letter. It's the last book of the Bible called Revelation. And he wrote it to seven churches. We are a church. And what I want to ask you to do as I read to you the part of the letter to the church at Laodicea, this is not imaginary. This is a church. This is reality. And you are the church. The church is not the campus you're in. The church is in your seat. And so as we read this letter to the church, what I want to ask you to do is find where you are. See, John writes this in Revelation 3.15. He says, I know your deeds. This, this is God speaking through John. So this is God talking to us. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. Think about your walk with God. Where is it at? Verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Makes God sick. Can I tell you this? God did not call his church, you and me. He did not call us to sit on the porch passively as things come and go in and out of the spiritual doors of our life. We are called to make a bold, clear difference in our world. If you're a Christ follower and you work someplace, it should be known spiritually that you work at that place. If you have a group in a neighborhood, it should be known that there is a God-fearing group, a God-honoring group, a God-serving group in that neighborhood. We're not passively waiting, we're not victims, we're victors. So let me ask, what doors are open in your life? For this church in Laodicea, they were very wealthy. And a lot of us, you may not say, hey, I'm super wealthy, but in the grand scheme, we're, we're wealthy. And John says this, this is dangerous. Think about this in verse 17. Be humble with me today. In verse 17, it says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I do not need anything. But listen what Jesus said the reality was. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They think they're rich. And Jesus said, you're poor, you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're blind, you're naked. Please don't miss this. They were confused and didn't even know it. Sometimes you're in a bad place and you know it. It's worse if you're in a bad place and you don't know it. So can we be humble enough today to ask? What is our spiritual condition? Can I ask, when's the last time that you checked the doors of your spiritual life? When's the last time you took an inventory of that? You may say, well, Pastor Zach, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to check those doors. Well, Jesus always gives us an answer. If we keep on going, as Jesus is talking to John in verse 18, he says this, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined by fire. So he said, buy from me gold refined by fire so you can become rich and clothes to wear so that you uh, can cover your shameful nakedness and salve for your eyes so that you can see. Here's what's so special about that. He talked about gold, he talked about clothes, and he talked about medicine. See, the reason, now there's spiritual meaning behind all that, and we're not gonna unpack that today. What I wanna tell you, just to give you some knowledge, Laodicea, that city, their three main industries were gold, banking, it was clothes, that wool, and it was medicine. What Jesus is saying, what, what, what God is saying through John is that you have your doors open to the wrong stuff. Come to me for your riches. Come to me for your clothes, your covering. Come to me for your healing. What are we opening our doors to? What are we counting on? What are we going to for wisdom, for provision? Where are we going? What doors are open in your life? Can I beg you? Let's not wait for a home invasion to ask this question. 
Let's not wait till our kids are gone. Let's not wait till there's a divorce. Let's not wait till we're having a nervous breakdown to see what's coming in and out of the doors of our life. God gives us some good news because God cares so much about us. In verse 19, it says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. And, and uh, so be earnest and repent. Listen, God loves you too much to make it feel good to walk away from him. He loves you too much. So when we walk away from God, when we open up doors to the devil, it's gonna hurt. That's God's discipline calling us back. I love this in verse 20. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. So anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with them and they with me. Listen, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, Jesus is knocking at the door and he wants to come in. Hey, mom and dad, in your home, Jesus is knocking. He wants to come in no matter what's happened. Man and woman of God, in your ministry, in your calling, Jesus is knocking. It doesn't matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. There's nothing too nasty. There's nothing too far for him not to be knocking at your door. Hey, students. Your emotion, your, 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 this anxiety, being overwhelmed. He's knocking. He wants to come in. So can we let him in this weekend? Listen, maybe you're not sure about God or faith or church or Jesus. And I think you already feel it, but can I just tell you? He's knocking. He wants to be in your life. And here at the end of our service, we're going to give you a chance. And you're going to experience transformation like you've never experienced. And hey, there's some more good news. In verse 20, when Jesus is referencing coming and eat, he references right there the biggest meal of the day. This is not like a door dash, like where he leaves the note on the door, I forgot your sauce, I'm sorry. This is not like a like flyby on the way to work, McDonald's drive through breakfast. Like that, that's not what this is. This means he wants to come in, he wants to sit across the table, he wants to hang out, he wants to hear about your day. He wants to hear about your tomorrow. He wants to send you on to a better tomorrow than you've ever thought was possible. Some of us, Christ follower or not, need to intentionally let Jesus in. There's a famous painting I really enjoy from an artist called Holman Hunt, and it's called Light of the World. And what's so special about this painting is that one of the artist's friends asked Hunt, he said, hey, haven't you made a mistake because you've painted the door without a latch? And Hunt said, no, I think this is divinely inspired. Hunt said, no, um, I've not made a mistake. The latch is on the inside. So you and I control the latch. Now that may feel challenging for you. Because like, well, well, I'm not in control. Jesus is in control. Remember what Jesus said. Talking to Christ followers in Matthew 16, 19. I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Let's not try to explain away our responsibility. I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. I don't know about you. This inspires me to pray for my family. This inspires me to pray for my country. This inspires me to pray for our church. That we've been given the keys When it comes to the doors in our spiritual life, we not only need to unlock and let Jesus in, but there are some doors we need to lock, close and lock and make the enemy get out. See, Jesus, despite being the savior of the world, he's an incredible, humble house guest. He comes to the front door, Revelation 3.20, and he knocks and waits for you to invite him in. Do you know why he does that? Because he belongs in your heart. 
See, when you invite somebody over for dinner, they come to the door and they knock because they belong there. Jesus belongs in your heart. See, the devil's not like that. In John 10, 10, Jesus describes the devil as a thief who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so he's not looking to be let in. He's looking to see, is there a door open, a door that you left cracked, a, a window that he could creep into? Paul, when he's talking about doors, he says in Ephesians 4, 27, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let him in. And I'm going to give you some imagery for that verse that you're never going to forget. Because we're going to stop giving the devil a foothold through these doors that he wants to use to access our lives all month long. We are going to lock the doors the enemy uses. And you know what else we're going to do? We are going to check the people in our lives. We're going to check their doors. You don't think I check my family's doors? On Friday, when I picked my daughter up, my eight-year-old daughter from school, we're walking in the house, and she said, hey, Dad, guess what I heard of school today? I said, what'd you hear, babe? She said, I heard this song, A, B, C, D, E, F, U, and your mind. Really? Oh, what's that mean, babe? Well, F, U means F, U, C, K. That's not as funny, is it? It's my eight-year-old daughter. And what do I do? Do I call PTA? No. You know what I do? We go inside. I sit my daughter down. I grab the keys of the kingdom. You know what? She's eight, but it's still her job to lock her door. So I say, hey, baby, one of our values in our home is that we love God. I say, hey, baby, what do we do first? And she knows, hey, we love God. Hey, baby, do you feel like that honors God? No, dad, I don't, I don't think it does. And the song goes, A, B, C, D, E, F, U, and, and it goes through the list of people. And something else we do in our house is we honor people. We love people. I said, hey, does that feel like it, lo it, it loves, it honors people? No, Dad, I, I don't think it does. Well, hey, babe, here's what I need you to do. I need you to lock that out of your heart. I know it's catchy. I know you remember it. But if it doesn't love God, if it doesn't love people, it doesn't live in our life. And so, hey, you know what else? Man of God, I protect my wife's door. I, she's a woman of God. She has to lock it on her own. But that does not mean I can't lay my big stinking body in front of it. Right? With those lies that your husband doesn't think you're sexy, that, that your husband doesn't love you. I mean, I blow it. But I'm a, oh, that's, that's a freaking lie from the devil, right? <laughs> Baby, I know you're a fairy. That's a lie. Right? So, hey, one of the, I'm, I'm talking about one of those big, you know, like in those, in those period pieces, they have that big, like, log they put in front of the door. That's the one I'm trying to put in front of my family. If you're going to tell me that you love somebody, but you're not going to check their spiritual doors, I don't think you love that person. What are you going to do? I'm going to put away from her college and not for her spiritual life? Amy, give God some praise to all of our campuses. That's what we're called to do. See, these are the same doors the devil wants to use and access to steal away our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, our transformation that God has called us to live in. So let me ask again, who has the keys to your spiritual doors? Because Jesus said he gave them to you, right? My dad used to do this growing up. And me and Mike knew what that meant. My dad would ask, who has the keys to your joy, Zach? My sister was better than us, so it was really just me and Micah. Who has the keys? Who has the keys? You know what? My parents weren't perfect. They didn't check my bedroom door. I snuck out. I lost my virginity younger than I should. I made some mistakes. 
But you know the reason I'm preaching in front of you? You know the reason my brother leads a content company helping churches and companies preach the word of God? You know my sister has a godly marriage? You know why we love God first and then our family? Is because I was asked, who's got the keys, Zach? Who's got the keys? There's nothing more important we could be doing for ourselves and those we love than asking, who's got the keys to the spiritual doors in your life? So this month, not only are we going to look and ask who has the keys, hey, listen, we're going to take some keys back because Jesus said they belong to you. In Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You have power. You have authority. You have priority. That's who God's called you to be. So before we go this weekend, let's jingle some handles of the door the devil wants to use and let's lock them. The first one's going to be the door to anger. The door to anger. See, anger is funny because we tend to think of anger. It's only like the dad who's losing his mind, working on something. We try to make it funny. Or the Karen at the grocery store who's losing her mind. Right? That's what we make it about. But can I tell you this? There's a far more common intruder when it comes to anger in our life. And there's a lot of verses I could use. But let me go back to one I referenced earlier. Paul writes in Ephesians 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay, but do not let the sun go down your anger while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. When you get mad, when these things happen, what the devil's doing, he's getting his foot in the door. When you're angry, are you in control? Or is the feeling of anger in control? Do you sin? Do you hate? Do you cuss? Do you think ill of others? Hey, Zach, how do I know? Well, let me ask you, are you still in control, man of God, woman of God? Or is the feeling of anger in control? Right? Hey, let me ask you this. Do you still go to bed mad? One of the things I'm most embarrassed about, the first couple years of our marriage, Rachel and I would go to bed, we wouldn't be okay, and I would roll myself over, turn my back to her, and go to bed. I knew her feelings were hurt. I knew I was mad. There was nights I could hear her crying on the other side, but I'm a big, tough guy, so I rolled my back over. Some of us wonder why our sex lives aren't any good. His freaking foot is in your bed. I can't think of one thing that I should say after that. <laughs> that I'm allowed to say at church anyway. But seriously. Some of us wonder why we're waking up and every day, slowly but surely, we don't even like the person next to us. God's word was very clear. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Every time you do, boom, boom, boom. You're not even sure how to shut the door anymore. Our intimacy is being robbed. Our relationships are being destroyed because we're giving him a foothold. Can I ask you this? We're, gonna get, we're, not, just, we're not just preaching today. We're going to make some move today. There's a note card in your seat. And what I want to ask you to do is there's somebody you need to forgive. Or there, sorry, there's somebody that's making you angry. It could be you. could be your spouse. could be somebody. I need you to write that person. We're moving on today. We're moving on today. I need you to write down the situation, the person that makes you angry. We are moving on today. Hey, let's check one more door. And that's the door of unforgiveness. This is huge. This is huge. This divisive door has held families hostage, relationship hostage for years. Something that's going to be huge for spiritual warfare is prayer. 
In Matthew 9, verse 6, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. He says this, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Look at all the things just in those few verses. He talks about his holiness, holy, hallowed be your name, his provision in the bread, his forgiveness, temptations, and the evil one. Yes, there is an evil one. If you say, Zach, this feels a little spiritual, right? Like you're reaching, talking about spiritual warfare. If you want to say that, then you're going to have to omit a good amount of the Bible. I'm not willing to do that. Faith promise is not willing to do that. And can I encourage you? You should not be willing to do that. But when Jesus talks about all those things, those are huge. I wonder what he would follow up with. His kingdom, his holiness, all that stuff. What does he follow up with? The next verse, he says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will, uh, you will, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Let him reiterate in the next verse. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Wake up, church. We do not have the right, the privilege to not forgive people. It doesn't matter what they've done. Let's not talk about what we did to Jesus. We don't have the ability not to forgive. Here, this is about to be really powerful. It's time for us to take this key back. It's time for us to condemn this door of unforgiveness. See, the enemy hates that you're forgiven. He hates that you're forgiven, but he's not powerful enough to take your forgiveness away because Jesus gave that to you. So you know what he does? He sneaks in and hides and disguises the fact that you've been forgiven. Because listen to this, church, please, please, please hear this. Listen, when we start to forget God's forgiveness, we begin to live lives of unforgiveness. When we forget God's forgiveness, we start to live lives of unforgiveness. When the handle of unforgiveness gets sticky and it starts to stick, we live bitter, hate-filled, isolated lives. We can't do it. Who do you need to forgive? Hey, listen, I know they don't deserve it. That guy that abused you, he doesn't deserve it. But here in a minute, we're gonna put this at the cross. Talk about not deserving something. We forgive as we've been forgiven. We don't forgive as somebody's done something to us. Let me tell you this. I, I, this is not just so that we can feel good. Let me tell you what this is about. In 1 Corinthians, Paul said this, I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. This is why he says it. For a wide open door of effective ministry has been opened to me. Can I tell you a wide open door of ministry has been opened to you? One of a great marriage, one of great intimacy, one of a, a godly family, not just that, but for you to share your faith for you to pray for others and then be healed, for you to lead a group, for you to see revival in your neighborhood, for you to bring unity where there's not unity, for you to go after people and then experience life and life to the full because a wide open door of ministry has been opened to God's people. Can I get an amen? Are we excited about that? I can't believe it. Before we can walk through that wide open door of ministry, we gotta shut some doors. I'm gonna pray for us. Our campus pastors are going to come up, and we are going to enter into a time of freedom as we lock and shut these doors and not give the access, devil access to our life. God, I pray for boldness right now. 
we're going to ask people to move. I pray for your faith right now. Devil, you have no authority. You have no power. You have no prestige. You have no keys. You have no teeth here. God and his Holy Spirit reign. Jesus of Nazareth is Lord of our lives. And we are going to walk in freedom. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So during this message, you probably wrote some things down. If you didn't, I want to encourage you to do it now. Where is it that you need to give forgiveness? Where is it, what situation you need to put down anger? And here in a second, I'm asking everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up if you're, if you're physically able. There's crosses all over the room, in the front, in the back, in the middle. And there's gonna be prayer teams at the front and at each cross. I'm gonna ask you to come up to a cross and lay it down. I'm asking you to come up to a cross. Hey, I know you've been carrying it for years. I was dealing with a, a, a young lady one time who was, who was possessed by a demon. And she told me this. She said, Pastor, if I let this go, I don't know who I am. Some of you, you wrote something down. You need to forgive that person. But if you do, you won't know who you are. Hey, there's a better identity for you. Man of God woman of God, redeemed, victor, minister. So would everybody across the room, will you stand up with me everywhere, right where you are, will you stand up? Can I encourage you in this? Because here, I'm, I'm gonna give you, a, here, we're gonna have three minutes. I want you to go. There's gonna be t- people to pray. We wanna pray with you. Your purpose is our passion. We wanna serve you. And then we're gonna worship. And you're gonna feel your hands just floating up. You may even feel yourself jumping and dancing because you're about to experience some freedom. There's gonna be tears. There's gonna be a weight lifted. I don't care if you're in the middle of the aisle. Get out and get this out of your life. Shut that door, lock that door. And let's open the door to intimacy that will follow with this ministry that we never thought was possible. I love you and I'm proud of you. In these few moments, Take this to the cross. This will be a holy moment between you and God. Take to the cross, let it go, and leave it there. God, we trust you with this time. Please move on us. Please move on us whenever you're ready. Feel free to keep coming. If you need prayer, there's people at all the crosses, people up front. We want to pray with you. Hey, we're about to enter into worship. But before that, hey, we're, we're so close. What we need to do now is we need to fill the hole that we took that unforgiveness, that anger out of, and we need to replace it with God's word. So what we're about to do is we're about to have a declaration. And hey, it may feel a little long to you, but what we're going to do is we're going to replace, we're going to declare who God's called us to be not who the world said we were, not who a teacher told us we were, not who mom or dad told us we were, but who God says we are. And I need this declaration to shake hell a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I need that to happen. Our nation needs that to happen. So will you put it on the screen so you can see it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give us the count of three, and then we're gonna read this together. And, and please, let's not mumble it, let's enunciate, let's loudly say this is who we are. So on the count of three, let's replace what we put at that cross with who God said that you were. Because Jesus got off that cross and he got off that cross to give you this declaration. 
because this is who you are. So on the count of three, let's do this together. One, two, three. I have the mind of Christ. My mind is renewed to the ways of Christ. I take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I put away all unforgiveness and anger. I have the peace of God. I am quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I am quick to forgive because I have been forgiven fully by God. I rid myself of all anger, rage, bitterness, unforgiveness. I lock the doors of my heart and life to anger and unforgiveness. You are not welcome in my life anymore. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. I am wise and under control. I use words of restraint. I am even-tempered. I am filled with the fruits of the Spirit. I am a peacemaker because I am a child of God. Jesus, to you I run. I train this heavy yoke for joy unspeakable. I train every bird for peace like a river. I am complete and lack nothing. Let's celebrate in Jesus' name. Thank you.